Good morning. This is Dr. Dan Guerra. Come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest of the most beautiful USA. Today is the 26th day of April, 2021. Now, I'm going to continue this lecture series that I've been involved in discussing the neuroimmunoepigenomic interactions of human aging and how that those two correlate basically to the morbidity and ultimate mortality in humans. Today's lecture is going to be on the RAG recombinase and how it interacts with T lymphocyte programmed cell death loci. Now, before we get into this lecture, I want to remind the audience about where I look at research science relative to my discussions and lectures. Uh, by giving you a little bit of the philosophy behind uh, my podcast, Authentic Biochemistry. So bear with me. It won't be very long. So what I uh, talk to you about and give in lecture is based on the fact that, from my viewpoint, scientific judgments are ostensibly offered as arising from empirical relationships. Those relationships are between the hypothesis-driven experimental accumulation of data that can be contemplatively analyzed as evidence to ultimately generate a new generalization about natural event phenomena that can be then tested after a subsequent deductive hypothetical proposition can be generated. Okay, so this in this process of events, which are far from linear, as hopefully you have recognized for all the months and now a couple of years you've been listening to authentic biochemistry, research, scientific research moves forward and toward an increase in understanding. So, this conceptually populated faculty of understanding is obtained by the use of ideas that comprise the mechanism of what we call the faculty of the imagination, which AOEPSO thereby proceeds to the successive synthesis of new concepts. So the imagination is the representation of phenomena when that event is not present while understanding that other component of, of human faculty, uh, contemplative faculty, is actually the representation of phenomenon as abstractions of empirical events. So the way that I view it is that knowledge is pledged to obtain from a harmonization of the imagination with the understanding, those two faculties, that must be perpetually justified with cohering and foundational phenomena to finally ordain individual belief. That's right, belief. Now, I've said this many times, it is the reflective stimulation of ideas from experiences that shape the understanding to catalyze the faculty of imagination. 
antithetical to this process event is the concept of a cycle, however. All scientific reason is perpetually becoming through experience over the sequence of time and thus is not repeated, but rather researched. Research brings knowledge onward via synthesis of the a priori while becoming in perpetuity. While these events are shared among others, research science, like all human endeavor, occurs by the free will of the individual, who is thus personally responsible for his own knowledge. So that is my caveat to all of my lectures. This is my personal knowledge, which I have carried through this synthesis that I just described to you these last couple of minutes. So it's with trusting my audience and, and attempting to follow through my reasoning that hopefully there is some knowledge that's transferred from what I carry with me as a research scientist and I've been a professor for many decades as well before I gave that up and became a full-time podcaster and research consultant. So let's get back now to the topic at hand. From a paper published in Experimental and Molecular Medicine uh, in 2019, we learned the following. So there's a published genome-wide methylation profile from a large collective of patient, collection of patients uh, who suffer from systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE, or also just known as lupus. So a collection of patients from uh, the SLE population and from healthy controls reveal that the largest methylation differences between those two cohorts were observed in type 1 interferon-regulated genes, which exhibited methylation, higher levels of methylation, in the lupus patients. In fact, there was generally a large fraction of differentially methylated CPG islands between the SLE uh, cohort and the healthy controls. And these researchers noted that there were differentially methylated CPGs in the SLE susceptibility locus that they described as the PCD1 gene or the PD1 gene, right? Program death gene. And this is implicated then in the inhibition of self-reactive lymphocytic activation, or indeed also in the X chromosome by independently analyzing females versus males. So recall that the program cell death gene acts as an inhibitory receptor on antigen-activated T lymphocytes, and that it plays a critical role in the induction and therefore activation and maintenance of immune tolerance to self. And therefore, it must provide Necessarily, it provides inhibitory signals upon binding to ligands. So when the program death receptor binds to program death ligand, it turns off or shuts down the activated T lymphocyte agency. Okay, So it decreases the immune response. 
And it does so because it can actually induce programmed cell death in the T lymphocyte population upon ligand binding. So following T cell receptor engagement, the programmed cell death one gene associates with the CD3 and the TCR. Those are the two proteins on the surface of T lymphocytes. And all of that in what we call the immunological synapse. And what occurs is an inhibition of T cell activation. That's the first event that occurs. Now, there's a protein called the EZH2, which is a member of the histone, lysine, and methyltransferase family. And of course, because it is a histone, lysine, methyltransferase, it's an epigenetic regulator, right? And what it does is modulates DNA methylation. And there's an increased expression in naive of this particular methyltransferase in naive CD4 positive T cells that you find from SLE patients. And, an, and it's altered in the DNA methylome promoting leukocyte adhesion and migration phenotype. So what this summarizes to is that methylation of the program death domain prevented signaling to destroy the autoreactive T cell lineage. Thus, it leads to, it's a positive then effect, this methylation, and leads to the autoimmune phenotype in lupus. Okay. So we can begin then to say that the dye event ontological pyramid of interaction in this process, in the central nervous system, for example, but anywhere where T cell T lymphocytes have migrated, that this diaventological pyramid of interaction emerges in this classical autoimmune disease. And there is a genetics environment and neuroimmunoepigenome interaction. Okay, so this is like an, a prolegomena to more of a discussion of the recombinase. Now, from a paper published in American Journal of Nephrology in 2017, we get the following. This research has demonstrated that there's a protective function of systemic activation of the program death one, program death ligand one axis with a program death ligand one IG, which attenuates nephritis in lupus-prone mouse model. Okay, so now you have the ligand bound to an immunoglobulin, okay? Another component of the immune response now is functioning at the program death level. Now, what that does is facilitates an understanding of the suppressive function of the PD-1L1 axis and the pathogenesis and progress of lupus nephritis, right? That is inflammation of the uh, kidney. And therefore, you can use this to explore possible effective therapeutic strategies when studying lupus. Okay, so, so studying this in the, in the mouse kidney nephritis model 
has brought us right back to the program death uh, ligand. Okay. All right. So let's continue on with another paper. Now this goes way back. Remember what's what we do. We carry forward using a priori judgments. We carry forward previous event ontologies that have been published in the research scientific literature so that we can generate an event ontology that will describe a dialectical event that will give us a clearer understanding of some human process. And the process, again, we're reaching towards is the aging process. So this very early paper in Embo Reporter Journal, 2003, tells us the following. It's been suggested that DNA methylation and demethylation is involved in regulating the VDJ rearrangement caused by the RAG proteins, RAG1, RAG2, right? Now, although methylated DNA is thought to usually induce an inaccessible chromatin structure, remember that that's what is believed when you overly methylate DNA, that DNA is usually considered to be inaccessible for recombination, replication, and transcription. So normally, methylated DNA is, induces inaccessible chromatin. It's still not clear, certainly wasn't clear back in 2003, whether or not DNA methylation can directly control the VDH recombination, independent of whatever the chromatin structure is doing in terms of chromatin remodeling. So this is now delivering epigenetics into standard gene expression, right? So in the study here from 17, now 18 years ago, these researchers tested whether DNA methylation directly affects the reactivity of the RAG1, RAG2 complex. We're reading both those proteins in the heterotetrameric form binding to the RSS, something we talked about the last three lectures, four lectures now. <clears throat> now, specific methylation within the heptamer of that recombination signal sequence markedly reduced VDJ cleavage without inhibiting, however, RAG1, RAG2 DNA complex formation. So the complex formed, but the VDJ recombination cleavage did not occur, right? So the enzymatic reaction didn't occur. Complex is formed, but basically it was static. Now, by contrast, methylation and other positions around that RSS did not affect the reactivity of the RAG proteins. So it's right at that RSS, which I think makes uh, good logical sense. So the presence of a methyl CPG binding domain protein inhibited the binding of the RAG1, RAG2 complex to all the methylated CPG sites that were tested. And the findings therefore suggest that DNA methylation around the RSS may have an unexpected function of regulating VDJ recombination because it directly inhibits VDJ cleavage, which is necessary for that recombination to function. In addition to that, there's a general function of inducing an inaccessible chromatin configuration. So what this tells me is that anytime you get methylation in enhancer elements or promoter elements, or indeed in any component 
of cis-acting DNA to trans-acting proteins, such as the RAG recombinases, you're going to get an alteration of activity of that recombination. And in this instance, that methylation results in the lack of the recombination mechanism, which means you do not get in, say, for example, T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes, the BDJ recombination. So you don't make T cell receptor and you don't make immunoglobulins. Okay, so here's where epigenetics plays a role in the immune response. It essentially decreases the ability for T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes to act as acquired immune agents against pathogens or against any constellation of presentation from antigen presenting cells, which could be either auto or allo derived epitopes. Okay, so this goes way back to 2003. And that was an important paper for me to find because it allows me to synthesize the rest of the information that we're still putting together here, right? So now let's jump up to a paper published just last year in the Journal of Biological Chemistry. Uh, this is in 2020, July of last year. What does this paper tell us? It says that BDJ recombination, of course, is initiated by the recombination activating gene protein called RAG recombinase. And then they remind you that RAG1 and RAG2 have certain subunits which much interact. That's how you get the heterotetramer on the RSS complex, right? We know all this because this is what we've been talking about for some time. Now, the susceptibility of gene segments to cleavage by RAG is associated with gene transcription which also makes sense, okay? Because if, if a gene is uh, potentially actively transcribed, it also means that you had chromatin remodeling. So cleavage by RAG associated with gene transcription and with epigenetic markers, which are characteristic of active chromatin. Now that, again, we can bring forward from the 2003 paper. That includes, of course, the histone H3 trimethylated lysine 4, which they call H3K4 ME3. So the binding of that H3K4 ME3 by the PhD domain, which is known as the, you know, it's called, called that because it's called the plant homeo domain, in the RAG2 protein induces conformational changes in RAG1 which allosterically stimulates substrate binding and then the, the, the catalysis, the recombination itself, the, the event that I told you about last time, the mechanism of recombination. So to better understand the path of that allosteric interaction from the RAG2 PhD zinc finger um, to the RAG1, this publication, the researchers employed a phylogenetic substitution and what they found is that a chimeric RAG2 protein in which the mouse PhD zinc finger is replaced by a corresponding domain from a shark, and the shark is Chylocilium punctatum, that binding of that H3K4 ME3 uh, fails to transmit the allosteric signal. Now that indicated to them that binding of that H3K4 ME3 by RAG2 is not sufficient 
to support recombination. And by substituting residues from the shark uh, gene fragment, the PhD ultimately ending up being the PhD, the plant homeodomain, with the corresponding residues in the mouth, mouse PhD, and testing for rescue of that allosteric interaction, they ultimately demonstrate that that H3K4ME3, that trimethylated lysine in stone H3, that binding and the transmission of an allosteric signal to RAG1 are actually separable functions of the RAG2 PhD zinc finger domain. So they're giving you now more detail. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because remember, I'm trying to suggest to you, based on my knowledge, experience I have of reading the scientific literature, bringing this forward through the a priori reasoning process I told you about, by utilizing ideas, then having ideas act as a mechanism to imagine concepts derived from the research, right? And those concepts then moving forward to new hypothetical deductions, which is what we're doing right now in real time. It suggests to me that any malfunction that could be associated either with the epigenomic changes on where the RAG protein finds avidity and affinity for the recombination mechanism itself, which in T cells and B cells is that RSS, but which in other genes and in other cells can be different loci, that any alteration of the epigenome or indeed of the nucleotide sequence that results in the polypeptide fragments that make up those domains, such as the PhD domain and the Prag proteins, can result in subtle changes in the recombination event that either allow for binding, but no activity, or can decrease the affinity for binding and therefore also preclude having any activity at all. And so can thus act competitively to alter recombination mechanisms when epigenetic or mutational genomic and therefore epistatic at the protein and DNA level mechanisms resulting in a morbidity in that biochemical event, which I've been calling pathobiochemistry, which ultimately can lead to major tissue disruptions such as neurodegeneration. And in fact, one of the events, the reason I brought it forward in today's lecture that can happen is an increase in autoimmune responses by altering the PD locus, right? The program death locus, which again, that's normally what we talk about characterized on T lymphocytes uh, because there are actually uh, drugs that are used to prevent the binding of ligand to the PD receptor on T lymphocytes so that T lymphocytes can function to destroy tumors, right? So these are the new drugs that are that are out there that are involved in what are called an immunologics, right? Using the immune system to control cancer. So that's where that literature is moving towards. But I'm giving you now the natural events and why that that event occurs, of course, to diminish the T cell response, not only from an allo interaction, such as alloantigens that are generated from, say, presentation coming from the degradation of a bacterium or a viral coat protein or a parasite, 
know, a pathological response, right? Um, or even coming from the cancer cell lineage. Those epitopes that could be generated from proteins that come from cancer cells, which of course are also going to mutate it and not look like self, but look like non-self. Right? So you see how I'm putting this together and telling you that any permutations in this mechanism of RAG recombinase, which was there at the very beginning back in utero during gestational development of the um, you know the, the the baby inside the you know the womb during development right during early stages of embryonic development all the way after parturition and then through all the neuronal networking that involves microglial alteration of axonal uh, transit and then the connecting of all of the potential uh, synapses to all the hundreds of millions of neurons is directed by glial cells in the developing central nervous system. Then all the learning process over space-time that the individual goes through, all of that requiring at some level epigenetic and recombinational events, that the recombinational event, that one circuit that I'm now bringing to four here, because it's involved in the immune response, which I have argued sculpts the central nervous system at the individual state, the individual level, all the way from in utero, all the way to when the person is aged, then any alteration in that recombination, avidity and affinity can lead to morbidity. And that morbidity then is ultimately obtaining mortality because of a sequence of events that results in lack of functioning, which can be associated with reactive oxygen and telomere shortening, uh, and the senescence uh, associated secretory phenotype, which we talked about before, or lack of cell division. Okay, so I'm bringing that all forward for you right here, and don't worry, we're going to go back to it um, as we proceed. Right? Now, there's one more paper I'm going to try to get through real quickly here. I only have a couple of minutes. This is from Molecular Immunology in 2017. Now, back a few years, the genes encoding the immuno immunoglobulin K light chain are assembled during B cell development via that same VDJ recombination. This is classical recombination for immunoglobulins, right? Now for efficient rearrangement, the IgK locus must undergo a series of epigenetic changes, okay? So one such epigenetic marker is DNA methylation, the mechanism that the IgK locus is selectively demethylated at the pre-B cell stage is what's being characterized in this paper. And so they employed a bisulfite DNA modification assay, which your professor here has actually also used when I studied epigenetics in neuropsychiatric diseases in a mouse model. So bisulfite DNA modification assays to analyze the methylation status of the IgK locus in primary pre-B cells from a RAG-deficient mouse with a prearranged IGH knock-in allele, okay? So what they observed is that the IgK locus was hypermethylated in RAG2 deficient pre-B lymphocytes, but hypomethylated in RAG1 deficient pre-B lymphocytes, indicating that the wild-type RAG2 involves the IgK locus demethylation in a RAG1 independent manner prior to that entire rearrangement that then ends up generating the constellation of immunoglobulins. 
So they generate a series of RAG2 mutants between residues 350 and 383, very small uh, portion of that protein. And they showed that the mutants mediated the IgK rearrangement, but failed, here you go, to regulate the IgK gene demethylation. Therefore, you got no recombination. So they analyzed that the mutants could increase RAG recombinase activity in vivo and concluded that the residues between 350 and 383 in that small region are responsible for endogenous IgK locus demethylation at the pre-B lymphocyte cell stage and proposed that wild-type RAG2 has an intrinsic function that regulates this epigenetic IgK locus demethylation. Okay, so this now ties back together what we just were speaking about, first of all, in describing the PD locus and, and controlling the recombination mechanism way back to those early papers, looking at the VDJ locus, looking at program death, looking at nephritis and lupus patients, right? Putting all of that together sequentially and then moving it forward to understanding the aging process. And from this last paper, this 2017 paper, I'm now describing to not just T-lymphocyte mediated responses associated with epigenetic changes, the direct methylation, right, of that particular IgK locus, which is involved in the recombination for immunoglobulin production, right? And the B cell, that's what the B cell, the plasma cell is really, uh, generating immunoglobulins, right? For that part of the acquired immune response, that that is also under epigenetic control as well as recombination control at the RAG locus. Okay? So I'm going to stop here because I'm out of time, and we're going to continue on this really interesting pathway. Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry Studios saying to you, bye for now.